so good. Hallelujah. Amen. As we were singing in that song, God is so, so, so very good. Amen. Welcome to the month of April. And those that are birthday in, God bless you. Enjoy your birthday in April. Amen. Awesome. Welcome to this month of April. And uh, as we go into this month, I want us to really focus on the cross. I want us to get to a place of understanding or being reminded of the benefits of the cross. Are you with me? Why? Because towards the end of this month, we will be celebrating the Passover, Easter. Jesus dying on the cross. Jesus rising from the dead. And Jesus appearing for 40 days to many people after rising from the dead. And Jesus ascending and saying, the same way you see him going is the same way you will see him coming back. Amen. So we want to really dwell on that ultimate sacrifice that he made for us. And dwell on the aspects of it to really show us what it really means for us today. Are you with me? Now it's pretty hard to talk about an event that happened 2,000 years ago. But it's even harder to make it have meaning for our lives today. But thank God for the word of God in which we believe. Because as we read and study the Word of God and believe the Word of God, we will pretty much understand what happened 2,000 years ago and what it means for our lives today. Amen. So these teachings are not going to be based on any human philosophy. I must issue a disclaimer. They're not going to be based on uh, my opinion because I wasn't there when he died. They are only going to be based in the word of God. And that's what you need actually. Because the word is able to make you whole. It is able to cleanse you. It is able to make you strong. The word of God is able to make you qualify for the things that God wants to do in your life. So perhaps it's better that we're going to base the whole of this teaching on the word of God, as should be. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So we're going to talk about the power of the cross in this series. And, and today I want to talk to you on the first subject I'm taking from the cross. And the subject is the curse is broken. Amen. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. The curse is broken. I want to just dwell on that. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 to 14. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, God bless you. God bless you. 
There we go. 13. But Christ rescued us from the curse of the law. When he became a curse in our place. This is because the scriptures say that anyone who is nailed to a tree is under a curse. And because of what Jesus Christ has done, the blessing promised to Abraham was taken to the Gentiles. I just love that statement. Because of what Jesus has done, the blessing promised to Abraham was taken to the Gentiles. This happened so that by faith we would be given the promised Holy Spirit. And God blesses the reading of his word. Amen. Before I proceed, I, I really am aware I'm going to have to teach a little bit with this. So let me talk to you a definition of what a curse is from the Bible. And I, I just have one line. What is a curse? C-U-R-S-E. A curse is, is a condemnation to barrenness or to suffering or to struggle. A condemnation to, if you like, to limitation. When somebody is cursed, it means they have been condemned to a certain limitation. Are you with me? They can't do anything about that. They have been condemned to it. So it doesn't matter how much they try. If they have been cursed, they have been limited. So in my car, there is cruise control. Cruise control in your car, some of you. And there is also a speed limiter. So you can decide in your car, you can say, I'm going to put it up to 30 because I don't want to go beyond 30. Because on this road, the cameras are, hey, a woza woza. <laughs> That's just for Tony, you know. And, 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 and so you, you put your limiter on 30. So it doesn't matter how much you press on the accelerator, it will not go beyond 30 miles. Now, are you with me? That limiter, that's the way a curse operates. If somebody is cursed, according to the scriptures, it means God or whoever has cursed them has placed a limit on their lives. So perhaps if you read, uh, for example, if you read Deuteronomy 28, and God is talking about the curses that will follow them because they are disobedient. When he says your enemies will really overcome you. It means it doesn't matter how much you fight. You can enroll into commando school. You will still lose. You've been limited. You can buy the best weapons. You will still lose because that is a curse. A curse limits. Are you with me? We find these instances in the Bible quite in many places. I'm not going to go there. But I want to show you how they come. There's two main results, two main reasons 
or um, yeah, too many reasons, too many main reasons why curses have been released in the word of God, or too many, too many sources of curses in the Bible. Uh, number one is 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 uh, is disobedience. Disobedience to God. So the perfect example is Deuteronomy twenty eight, when God says, "If you don't follow my ways, these curses shall visit you." Disobedience becomes a reason that has caused curses in the Bible. Are you with me? I said in the Bible. Why? Uh, Because it's a rebellious lifestyle. A rebellious lifestyle always produces a curse. I don't know whether you've been on the motorway. I'm talking about driving a lot today. If you've been on the motorway and, 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 and you see somebody very intelligent driving at 150, they pass you. You know? The law told you it's 70. When you're doing 150, you are rebelling against the law. Now, who's more likely to get in an accident? The guy doing 150 or the guy doing 70? Yeah, it's the scientific data for that. There's evidence for it. So it's, it's, there's evidence for it. The higher the speed, the more likely you're going commu- to get into an accident. Most of the speed limits are about road safety, not about somebody trying to control you. So near a school, they go, you can't do 30 here, you're going to do 20. Because the data is showing that if you, you know, did you see that advert a few years ago of a child on television saying, if you hit me at 30, I might die. If you hit me at 20, I might just sustain some injuries. There's scientific data behind that. So why when you're passing a school, you, 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 sh- you must be doing 20, especially if you're passing my children's school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Don't be flying over those humps. You're going to kill a kid. You know? But if you're really driving at a very... At a, you see, if you get into an accident at 20, you're most likely not going to have bad injuries. If you get in an accident driving at 60... At 100, you get what I'm trying to say? A a rebellious attitude automatically pronounces a limit on your life. That's what we see in the Bible. That's how a rebellious attitude just really produces a curse. In that it puts a limit on a person. We're going to go deeper. What is the other reason curses have been released in the Bible? I said two main reasons I'm going to deal with. Strife. Strife. When people are in strife and they're arguing and, and, and there's a lot of fights going on, curses have been released, perhaps not by God, but by people. Are you with me? 
as we're dealing with this, you also deal with two sources where curses come from. We know in the Bible God has pronounced curses on people before. But we also know people can pronounce a curse on a person. And both are very effective. Hello. That's why when your Bible tells you to honor your mother and father and all that stuff. You understand? Curses come from people. They can also come because somebody has been disobedient to God. So these two situations are very common for curses. Are you with me? Disobedience produces a curse. What is a curse? A condemnation to limitation. Rebellion produces a curse. You as a parent, for those of us that are parents, when, when your son, when your daughter begins to really rebel against you, the truth is the reason you're worried is not because you want to control them. It's because you know their life is not going to end well. And that's why a parent won't sleep at night. Be- not because they want to control you, because they know that rebellion will cut short your prosperity, if not your life, totally. It will cut short your education. Rebellion will always cut short something. Releases a limit. Are you with me? Strife, words of anger, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And when people speak curses, On somebody's life. Those curses. Actually sometimes can really rest. And have an effect. But I'm going to deal with that. Don't worry too much about it. We're going to deal with it. According to the word of God. But are you with me? I'm just showing you two places. Where most commonly. We see curses arising. Praise God. So, as, 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 in a nutshell, that's why it's not, it's, it's not great to always be in argument, living in a place of strife and yet trying to prosper. It's not awesome. If, 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 if there's too much argument in your family, it's a big deal. We were moving a mountain here on Friday of somebody that talked about strife in their family. It's, it's a big, if there's always strife, there's always strife, there are curses being released. Because then, then you when there is strife and then people start, uh, you know, when, people, when, when you're always fighting and people start wishing you bad, they're prophesying. They're releasing some curses in your life. And if you don't know how to deal with that, you can be as brilliant as you can be. But that can be limiting. Are you with me? Yeah. You're not going to be limited. Amen. So, the scripture we read, I've just defined what a curse is. The scripture we read says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. (laughs) And that's a brilliant scripture when you understand what it really means. It says, he has redeemed us by becoming a curse himself. For it is written, cursed is the man who hangs on a tree. Jesus at the age of 33. 
took our curse on himself. How do you know? Because his life was cut short. So he took the curse. Took a short life on him. Are you with me? In every way. He took the curse. He had nothing to his name. In terms of property. I know there's many people preaching nowadays that Jesus was rich. I don't know where they get their stuff. You know. But listen. He decided not to be rich. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. He, he decided. This is a man who can tell a fisherman to catch so much fish just by one word. He can make any business work. Just like that. He can make, hey, how can you compete with a man who can turn water into wine? If, if Jesus wanted to go into business, that's why sometimes, you know, when people say, oh, he was very rich. Like, no, if Jesus really wanted to go into business, there's nothing you can write about in the Bible apart from how rich he became. But he decided not to because he took on a curse. Now, Kenneth Hagin uh, said this, which is quite... Awesome. Well, he said. He said. Uh, he said the curse in the Bible really manifests as disease, sickness, poverty, and suffering, and that's exactly everything the Bible says Jesus took. He took our infirmities. He became poor. Huh? Huh? Acquainted with what? Suffering. So he took on the curse. Hanging on the tree was a curse. It wasn't a blessing. Are you with me? That's what it says. When he took on the curse that was supposed to be on our lives. This curse that he took on is called the curse of the law. Now, I want to explain what the Bible really means by the curse of the law. If you read in Romans 3, 19 to 24. Are you hearing me? You're paying so much attention. This is life-changing stuff. Because by the end of tonight's service, if there is a curse operating around you, Today you will wisen up to it and say illegal. I'm not supposed to be under any curse. Because Jesus took the curse. Today you will evict it. Are you with me? You will cancel that contract that is operating illegally. There should be no curse operating in your life. So I want you to wisen up to it. What is a curse again? A limitation. A condemnation to limitation. There should be no condemnation to limitation in your life. There must be nothing that limits you. There must be nothing that says in our family, oh, marriages suffer, therefore my marriage will suffer too. In our family, we have diabetes, therefore. There must be no condemnation to any limitation. 
In our family, nobody goes to university, therefore I will not go. In our family, there must be no limitation. We are delivered to live by choice. To love God by choice. Are you with me? And to do the things we are doing by choice. We're going to choose to succeed. We're going to choose to do the things that God wants us to do. No limitation. No curse operating. So, what is the curse of the law? Romans 3, 19-24. We know that everything in the law was written for those who are under its power. The law says these things to stop anyone from making excuses and to let God show that the whole world is guilty. Did you hear that? God doesn't accept people simply because they obey the law. No, indeed, all the law does is point to our sin. 21, Romans 3, 21. Now we see how God does make us acceptable to him. The law and the prophets tell how we become acceptable. And it isn't by obeying the law of Moses. God treats everyone alike. He accepts people only because they have faith in Jesus Christ. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But God treats us much better than we deserve. And because of Christ, he freely accepts us and sets us free from our sins. The curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? What is the limitation of the law in this passage that I've just read? The limitation of the law, and also if you study also the book of Galatians, the chapter 3, all of it, I will refer to it again. The curse of the law, number one, understand this phrase, this sentence very well. Curse, you've understood. Now I want you to understand the law, what it means by the law. Okay? When the Bible talks about the law, it talks about both the Ten Commandments, the entire law of Moses, which has 600 and something laws in it. So Ten Commandments, the entire law of Moses, as found in Numbers and in Leviticus and in Exodus indeed and in Deuteronomy. And talks about the entire Torah. First five books of the Bible. As the law. In other words, everything that came through Moses. Are you with me? Everything that came through Moses. So the first five books of the Bible. Are believed to have been written by Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Yeah? They're believed to have been written by Moses. And actually they consist of the Torah, which, 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 which is what the Jews really believe in, as the law. The curse of the law begins to be the curse of the demands God made in the law as revealed through Moses. Are you with me so far? You're with me? Everybody getting this? 
Okay. So the curse of the law. Now, in this translation, it says the law. What is the curse of the law? How does the law really lead us into a place where it, it, of curse, of limitation? The law reveals how perfect we should be. But it also reveals how perfect, imperfect we are, sir. Yes, sir. Are you with me? If we say the law in this place and we say no one shall enter this place unless they are six foot tall. Six feet. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye to a law, lot of us, perhaps all of us in here. I don't see anybody that tall. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you try. Uh, Dan tries as well. You know, but are you with me? All of a sudden, the law, that law begins to reveal how imperfect you are. Look, when I just said six foot tall, you were like, oh, I'm not six foot. You see, at the same, it, it tells you the standard you need to be at. And automatically reveals the standard you are at. And how imperfect you are. That's exactly what the Bible says when it talks about what the law did to us. The law itself is not evil. But what the law did to us was to reveal to us how sinful we are. How imperfect we are. Are you with me? Are you really with me? So the curse of the law begins to be this. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is the curse of the law. That you can never attain perfection. You look at it. But the curse of the law that remains on you is such that you can never. Because you can never attain perfection according to the law. That is the curse of the law. Are you with me? It tells you that without Jesus you could have never made it. In, in terms of God and having a relationship with God. You could be at your best behavior. Put on your best righteousness. Pray your best prayers. But you cannot be six foot tall. That is the curse of the law. For all have sinned. This is why humanity is hopeless without Jesus. Are you with me? Because you can never become what God really wants you to become without Christ. Because the law is a tall order, as the English would say. Very tall. You can never reach to it. Mm. This is what he is saying. I'll read this again. Because now you will hear it with understanding. Romans, the same Romans chapter 3. I'll read it again. It says, We know that everything in the law was written for those who are under its power. The law says these things to stop anyone from making excuses and to let God show the whole world its guilt. Now, did you understand? It says, God does not accept people simply because they obey the law. No, indeed. All the law does is point out our sin. Mm. 
You get it? Verse 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What am I trying to answer when I'm saying that? What is the curse of the law? The curse of the law is the revelation that you are a sinner. And the curse begins to be your limitation into sin world. For more, you can study Romans chapter 6. When people are saying, oh, you know, I, I, I sometimes watch uh, these guys, uh, what are they called uh, on TV? They're called, uh, is it the Message Trust? Not the Message Trust. The, uh, I, I, I forgot what, oh, Way of the Master. Way of the Master. They like to do one-to-one evangelism, talking to people, challenging people, going to university campuses and having debates about Christ. With, with atheists and all that. So they, but they, are, they, are so, they are very intelligent guys and they are very clever in the way they bring the gospel to people. You know? And one thing they like doing sometimes is they get on the streets and, 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 and they ask people, uh, do, you, do you think you, you, you can make it to heaven? And most people say yes. And they say why? And most people say, well, I'm good enough. I'm good. Okay. Have you ever lied before? And most people say, yeah, I have. You know? Have you ever taken something that's not yours? Because oh, that's stealing, right? And, 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 and people say, well, uh, yeah, maybe I have. Have you ever looked at a woman lastly? That's for a guy, right? <laughs> or for a woman nowadays. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, uh, and most people say, yeah, I have. Oh, according to the Bible, that means... You're a sinner. You're not perfect. So you're not going to heaven. So what are you going to do about it? Because all have sinned. The law is a tall order. Are you with me? The curse of the law is that we are limited. You can try your best. You can never get into heaven. It limits you. The curse produces more other results. The longer sin lingers in somebody's life the more other results it produces as poverty, suffering, and all the rest. It produces all that. So it is the revelation that you are a sinner, that you are imperfect, and that you are limited to sin and death. Romans chapter 8. I know I'm teaching stuff here that some of you have never thought about. It's awesome because this is what I'm trying to do. To get you to understand the basics of what you are believing. Romans chapter 8 says, There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. What did we say a curse is? A condemnation to limitation. Are you with me? So Romans chapter 8 says, There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. That's the only word the curse is lifted. For the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus has set them free from the law of sin and death. That's Romans chapter 8, 1, 2, going down. Well, as the curse limits you to sin and death. So, the curse of the law limits you to sin and death. Do you understand that? The curse of the law limits you to sin. No matter how great you think you are, the curse of the law calls you a sinner. That's why Paul would say, for all have sinned. This is the way we preached the gospel those days. When I was in school, 
and we would get in the parks and we would be talking to people, old people, young people, it didn't matter. And we would be stopping people and we would be talking to them. The Bible says, we memorized it. We came from Romans chapter 3, 23. Okay, we started with John, 6, John, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves you. But here is the problem. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. You can never become what God really wants you to become. Then we would go into Romans chapter 6. <laughs> Hello? And then we would end up in Romans chapter 10. If you confess with your mouth, we would preach the gospel. We memorize it in three minutes. Three minutes. This is how we used to do our training. We would sit next to each other and we would give each other three minutes. It's nice to be at a boys' school. <laughs> we used to have to do things like that. You just sit together like this. And because uh, you know why I said it's nice to be at a boys' school. No girls distracting us. You know, <laughs> so we'd sit there and we'd be practicing how to, we're going to share the gospel. And we'd say, three minutes, you know, there'll be one of us leading. And we'd say, three minutes, start now, share to the neighbor. And we'll start sharing. And we'll hit all those marks. And we'll finish. And we'll lead, including leading the person to Christ. And the bus has arrived. That's how we used to practice. You're on the bus, you've got three minutes to share the gospel. And we'll share. Uh, and we'll pra- we used to practice that. Then on Saturday, we'll go out in the park. And we will be now doing it. It's awesome. At first, you're nervous. You're like, <laughs> some people say no. You know, some people say go away. Some people say something. And but it just takes the first person that just says, just, huh? And and, and you speak, and they say, no, I've never heard that before. And you speak, and and within three, four, five minutes, you're leading someone to Christ. Oh, that's it. One person, that's it. It's show me the next one. You get what I'm trying to say? I've got two, three friends on my Facebook that I led to Christ that way. Three, at least. Three, at least. I didn't know them at all. We were not even in the same school. But meeting in a park in a town called Livingston in Zambia. And I've got three on my Facebook that I, they went to, they, I led them to Christ that way. And they're still serving God. <laughs> It's an awesome way. Now, on a large scale, this limitation also means uh, we are born into it. Are you with me? Because when it says, for all have sinned, it, mean, doesn't, it doesn't mean uh, except pastor's children. I, I, I hope it, I, I sure, for your sake, I, I sure hope it, it said that. But it doesn't. <laughs> they say, except for those children that were born in church. No. No. We, we, we are born into this thing. That's why I'm very careful when I'm talking to somebody and I say, so when did you become a Christian? And they go, oh, I, I, was, I was just born a Christian. I'm like, yeah, but when did you begin to make the decision that you're going to actually serve God? It's okay, because some, some of us don't have that moment when we say, Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my heart. It's all right. That's not the only way to come to Christ. You, you know that, right? The only way to come to Christ is to confess that he is Lord. Yes, that is the only way, right? To repent your sins and to confess that. But the prayer is not the only way. Huh? So at some point you make a decision. For some of us it happens as, 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 as spectacularly as it can be. You know, 
We are there and God moves. Boom, and, we, and, oh, and we repent and we give our lives to Christ. For some of us, somebody helps us, leads us into that prayer. And we give our lives to Christ. But for some of us, we just move. We, we, we just like change our mind. And do you understand that's what repentance is? We just like, especially those that have been brought up in Christian homes. You've been a Christian. Uh, your, your parents are Christian. They have led you to, to God all the time. You just find at some point you just get fed up with the way you're doing life. And you say, ah, I'm going to go back to what I was taught. I'm going to follow Christ again. Are you with me? But all that to illustrate this point. We are all born under this curse of the law. Sin and death. And because when this has matured, it matures into suffering, pain, shame. Everything that Jesus delivered us from. Maybe let me use this story. It might help us illustrate this. John chapter 9. And then I will begin to wind down for a wonderful landing. John chapter 9. As we're going to John chapter 9, you are saying, this is a question that has been in my head before. When I look at this, I say, so we are born imperfect? Yes. Hello? When the Bible calls you a sinner, it's not because of the things you did. It's because you were born a sinner. Are you with me? So it's not looking. Sin can be looked at in, in, in a few ways. Okay, There is this what we're talking about, which has to do with the curse of the law. We are born into it. It's like a condition. But sin can also be an activity. Right? Something you do. You have sinned. You've done something. You've missed the mark. That's what the, Bible, the, word, the word sin means. It means you've missed the mark. Hamatano in Greek. You've missed the mark. You've missed the mark. That, that's, that's what it means. So it can be that. But when you, especially when you're witnessing to people, sometimes they get you like, oh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a sinner. I don't do anything wrong. No, no, no. You are born into a condition of sin. Are you with me? It's like when a child is born to a poor family. They are born in that, in poverty. That limitation is on their life. It, it basically dictates the shoes they will wear to school if they are told go to school. And, and it dictates whether they, how far and how long they will stay in school sometimes. Just based on where or which family you are born into. Are you with me? It's the same way. When we, are, when we are born in this world, we are born under this curse of the law of imperfection to imperfect parents. Welcome to the family of the imperfect. Kind of. And my question is, how does an, a perfect God create imperfect people? Why? It's a good question. Why does a perfect God create imperfect people? Now you feel like you're in Bible school today? John chapter 9 will help us and then I will land and we'll be finished. 
John chapter 9, 1 to 4. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Are you with me there? I will stop there for now. Just, just, just stop the verse there. This happened so that the works of God might be. Okay, now I was trying to describe for you the issue of sin. So the story says the disciples are, are, are walking with Jesus and they meet a man born blind. So this is somehow publicly known that this one was actually born blind. Okay. And everybody knows, it seems like. It's either he's using it as, as a means of why he's begging to say, I've never had sight before. My situation is <coughs> worse. I've never worked in my life. Are you understanding me? So everybody knows that he was born blind. So when the disciples meet him, meet him there's a lot of things we can say about that, but I'm interested in this thing. They automatically have this frame of mind that attaches such conditions to sin. Except they're attaching it to sin the way I was trying to describe here in terms of activity. So they say to Jesus, who sinned? What they're saying to Jesus, who did something wrong for this man to be born like this? They don't have the understanding of sin the way we are talking right now. Where this man was born in sin just like you, Peter. Just like you, James. He was born under the curse of the law, just like you. No, their understanding is this. For him to be blind, somebody did something wrong. And actually historians say, theologians say, this was a predominant thought in those days. They thought like that. If you had a child that was disabled, it means you <coughs> sinned. Tell us what you did. That's their approach. Like in the story of Job, if you know. His friends came and said, no, 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 no. no. This cannot happen. And there's something you did, repent right now. So that's the way they thought. So they said, Jesus, Jesus, uh-huh. now we've got you to answer this question. It is a sincere question. They want to know, is this right? Who did something wrong? And here's the question, his parents or him? And that even drives the question to far places I don't want to go there. Him. How did he sin when he was still in the womb? They had a theology that said babies could sin. I will not go into that. You can study later. So they missed the question. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Nobody sinned. Not his parents, not him. He's talking about nobody. This has not happened because this man has committed something somewhere. Or his parents did something somewhere. He's saying this has happened. This is a, a rather a condition. Okay, It has happened. Let me put the exact words he uses. He says, so that God would show his works. 
exactly the way the law was given. The law was given so that God would actually show his works, who he is. So when he says it has happened so that God would show his works, what is he saying? So that God would show you, number one, that you are born under limitation. Later on, when he argues with the Pharisees, he actually makes this cup, he applies blindness to everyone. He says, these people are all, you are all blind. This, this man is not the only one who's blind. This guy was born to show you guys your limitation. Are you, are you with me? Is this getting in or should I stop here? Two more minutes. How many minutes are you going to do? <laughs> Just a few more. Let me rush this. God wants us to be in relationship with him. What, what, what we are saying with this is simple. God released this man in this way, the same way he released the law. Now, the idea is when this man is brought to God, God would remove the limitation. The same way, when we come to Christ, Christ removes the limitation. But the, 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 the role of the limitation in our life is to lead us to God. Now, I need to talk about that. Because that's what you find in Galatians chapter 3. The, the role of the limitation is to lead us to God. Hello? You see, guaranteed, most of us, if we never went through any limitation in life, we would never be children of God right now. Guaranteed. To become a child of God, to accept that you are a sinner, is to see your limitation. That's why when the gospel is preached, you begin to see, I'm nowhere near six foot tall. I'm not that great. The journey, the irony is that the journey of being a Christian begins when you understand you are imperfect. The people don't understand. The people think we are here, we are a perfect, perfect, bless me club. When you say you've begun to go to church, people begin to say to you what? Oh, so you think you're better than us. It's not true. Jesus says it is not the sick that seek for a physician. I mean, it is not the healthy, that seek for a tabita. I'm prophesying. She's going to be a physician. You know? It is the sick that need a physician. Are you with me? The journey with Christ begins the day you discover you are not good enough. The day you discover I'm imperfect. I'm a sinner. That's the day you begin the journey with God. Do you understand? Yeah. If nobody, if somebody thinks they are okay, I'm excellent, impeccable, I'm great, I'm super, human being me, they never think they need God. The limitation you were born into was meant to lead you 
That's why God, who is perfect, created imperfect beings. Because he wants relationship. So he creates you in such a way that he, he, you can make a choice to come and live with him. When you discover your imperfections. I, I, I don't know whether you get this. This is the gospel truth about my life and your life. Our imperfections lead us to him. We go to him surrendering. His kindness leads us to repentance, the Bible says. We discover that we are sinners. Therefore, we call on him who is perfect to cleanse us from our sins. This is why imperfections have a role in life. They have a role to lead you to God. So if somebody says, but my life is full of suffering, you better help tend that suffering so that they can begin to face their suffering with God. Yes. Your response to suffering must be, God, where are you? Yeah. Yeah. Hey. So this blind man was born blind and was born with a limitation. He's a beggar by profession because he can't get any other job according to this economy. He's a poor man and the limitation is over his life. And Jesus turns up and the disciples are saying, what wrong did he do? That's the question sometimes we ask ourselves when we see that we have limitations in our lives. We say, what wrong did I do? Oh God. But I, I, that's the wrong question. What, God, what wrong? Why weren't my parents uh, Queen Elizabeth and uh, the Duke of Edinburgh? For all you know, they are also praying the same prayer. <laughs> Why were we born to live in this house? A simple accident on the road, it becomes news for the whole nation. <laughs> are, are you listening? Yeah. That's the wrong prayer. What you should do is with the limitation that is on your life that somebody is born into. When we are born as sinners under the curse of the law, we need to meet with him. It must lead us to him. The law leads us to him. That's the conclusions in Galatians. I have no time to start reading it. Maybe next week I'll try. That's the conclusion. The conclusion in Galatians is this. The law was given to us like tutors are given to children. That's the conclusion. The Greeks had this way of doing with their kids. They had a tutor that, that took care of the, of the child and taught their children and also took their kids, if there's a public school, to a school. Are you with me? And, and Paul writes and he says, the law... Was uh, come here, Sandy. Come here, Sandy. Come here. The, the law was like this. The law was was the tutor. I am the tutor. I am the law. The law was not there to make him perfect. So you see, I'm not here to make you perfect. I'll have a shout and all that, but I'm not here to make you perfect. The law was not there to make him perfect. What the law was supposed to do, you see there, there you see that couple there. That, that that's where God is, right there. So what the law was supposed to do is to lead you. You see? Don't start worshiping. You might, you might get them killed. <laughs> Are 
Are you with me? But when the Lord takes you before God, what it does is remove the limiter. When he takes you before God, before Christ, what Christ begins to do now is exactly what he did to this blind man. <laughs> and we're going to finish there. Hallelujah. He removes the curse of the law. The thing that has always limited you to be a child of God. It finally breaks. The law itself leads you to a place where its curse can be broken. Until you understand. I want the pin to drop. I want you to understand. You couldn't have made it. You can't be a child of God. You can't even pray. You couldn't have made it if Jesus did not break the curse of the law. Just as you're not seven feet tall, six foot tall, you you couldn't have made it. So, how is this curse broken? I'm going to finish. I just have to finish. It says, uh, I'm going to read you the same scripture again. Galatians 3 now. With understanding now. Christ rescued us from the curse of the law. When he became a curse in our place. This is because the scriptures say that anyone that hangs on a tree is under a curse. And because what Jesus Christ has done. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, the blessing promised to Abraham was given to the Gentiles. Everywhere you find curse, you're going to find another word called blessing. You see, when Christ removes the curse of the law, it is so that the blessing God gave to Abraham may come upon you. So number one, the case of the law is broken by Jesus becoming a curse. Number two, the blessing of Abraham deals with the curses that come from other people. That's where I want to end up. I want to bring it to from where I started. Because I show you where curses come from. The curse that comes from the Lord, Jesus becomes the curse. And it is broken. And then he takes the blessing of Abraham and he puts it on you like a court. The blessing of Abraham on you. Here is the blessing of Abraham. God said this thing. He said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. I will deal with those who curse you. He's not talking about himself. He's talking about others who curse you. You missed it again. When God says to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse or deal with those who curse you. He's not talking about himself cursing Abraham. He's talking about there are other people that are going to curse you. But this blessing I am putting on you. This blessing I'm putting on you. You see this blessing? The blessing I'm putting on you 
putting on you makes you uncursable. Amen. If there's such a word. Mm. Because now I will deal with those that try to curse you. The blessing of Abraham. Mm -hmm. This is why Jesus worked so hard so that he can remove the curse of the law from you so you can be a child of God and acceptable to God. But the second thing is so you can put the blessing of Abraham on you. My God. When you understand this, you begin to, to you stop fearing the curses that come from people. Mm -hmm. All you do is extract yourself from it. Mm -hmm. And understand, I'm a child of God. I have the blessing of Abraham on me. Amen. Glory to Amen. God. The Bible says, a curse shall not alight without a cause. Amen. It can't sit on you. There is no cause because Jesus has put the blessing of Abraham do you know there are people who still try to curse Abraham? Yeah. And they tried to steal his wife. Mm. Even when he had lied to them, still God was on Abraham's side. Right. Abraham made the mistake. He lied to them. He said, my wife is my sister. And the man said, therefore I will have her as my wife. As soon as he took her, everybody became barren in his house. Everything, his animals began to die. Because I will curse those. Listen, don't, don't, don't buy into this theology that, that, that means, oh, deal with your, you know, start cursing all your enemies. No, 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 no. Listen, God can deal with them better. Amen. The curse is broken. Pastor Phil, what about generational curses? The generational curses. What about in my family? What about why are we struggling like this in my family? If you begin to understand the power of the blessing on your life, you are beginning to understand that there is no curse that should stay on your life. Are you with me? Amen. Are, you, are you really with me? When, if you really just begin to understand that there is no curse that should really stay on your life. Do you know what Jesus, let's, don't go for popular theology. Listen to what Jesus said. This man is not blind because his parents sinned. <laughs> you, really, you really need to begin to understand these things. The blessing Jesus places on you overcomes generational curses. If I had time, I will have time this, this month and I will go into the actual seven places where Jesus shed his blood and what it really represents. And I will talk about that. But I want you to just believe the word of God. When I'm saying to you, every curse is broken. Yeah. Are you with me? Every curse, a curse cast by a witch, broken. Oh, yes. A curse cast by somebody that you fought with, broken. If the biggest curse of them all, the curse of the law, is removed from your life, the blessing of Abraham removes also the ability for anyone to curse you. Yeah. This blessing of Abraham, you know from today it's mine. This blessing of Abraham, let me give you a story and finish. The story in the Bible is the story of the children of God, the, the Israelites in Numbers. You find that the children of Israel have overcome every enemy and there is a king in Moab. 
that hears about their overcoming and gets terrified. And so he invites a man called Balaam or Balaam, a prophet, to come and curse them. Because this man knows that a curse really works. 